Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. It's a journey through the stories impacting rural economies and country lifestyles. Jay Madison's Rural America is also a production of Jefferson County Economic Development. Now here's Jay. And hey there everybody, welcome back to Jay Madison's Rural America. Glad to have you here. I am your host, Jay Madison, along with Mr. Ron Robbins sitting across the table with me. How you doing, sir? Hey, I'm doing good. We could be a little drier here in northern New York. Today, oh, my Lord. Yeah, a little wet out there. It's, uh, How we the didn't need this looking? last rain. Yeah. Uh, it's really been impacting crop work here and, you know, for the farms in the region here. It's and it, it's unique how this lake is uh, is building these these rainstorms up. You know, you and I uh, we spend a lot of time talking about the weather a lot of times, <laughs> and uh, and it's it, the, how the lake impacts weather, and it's sure uh, showing its uh, true colors here right now. Boy, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, I've noticed that we had uh, one little spell where the where the ground dried right out wicked fast. Correct. Yep. Yep. And then all of a sudden. Boom, down came the yeah. rain again, and it doesn't seem like it wants to stop. No, no, it's just like today. It's all off the east end of the lake here, and yeah. uh, just keeps training in. So yeah. uh, we'll see what happens. Next week's supposed to be warm and dry, and uh, hey, what a better way to kick off June Dairy Month, I guess, right, Jim? That's right, that's right. I was just going to say, boy, I'm hoping this pattern changes <laughs> for uh, Thursday through the, rest of the, through the rest of the month, for that matter, because let's see, Thursday we have opening day of the Watertown Rapids baseball team right here in Watertown at 6.30 p.m. Then on Friday, we have the Jefferson County Dairy Parade, which I'm I'm still waiting for an entry from Old McDonald's. Yeah, Friday. I told Julie this morning <laughs> that she needed to call you, so you need to put us down. We'll be there, Jay. All right, I'll, I'll put you down, but I need that description yeah, from we'll, Julia. Uh, we'll make sure it happens this afternoon. Okay, yeah, I, I, I have a few of my regulars that I'm, I'm teasing a little bit that uh, I haven't heard from. So we've got the Jefferson County Dairy Parade on Friday, June 3rd. That parade will start at 7 p.m. right here in Watertown on Washington Street. Then Cornell Cooperative Extension has a great program going on on Saturday where I guess you're going to be able to visit a whole bunch of farms or, or businesses around the county. Go to their website. That's Cornell Cooperative Extension of Jefferson County. Uh, just visit their website and you'll see all kinds of information on that. Then more baseball coming up. And then, Ron, I'm, I, I want to just mention this. Our Agriculture Day program with the Watertown Rapids. Yeah. Huge. That, yeah. That thing Looking is, forward to that. Oh, my Lord. It's growing by leaps and bounds. We just found out somebody's providing free fireworks for us. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know whether that was their intent, but Watertown Pride, their their Pride celebration is the same weekend as the Ag, Ag Day game, uh, June 18th. Okay. And somebody came up to me and said, hey, Jay, did you know you're having fireworks? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and they're having the fireworks at the end of our game right there at the fairgrounds. So well, I called them up and I said, "Hey, thank you very much." Yeah, so, what a deal! Yes. All right. So, and uh, we have uh, an NFL player uh, coming up as part of the. Uh, he's going to be there as part of the Fuel Up the Play sixty program. Uh, his name's Riley Dixon. He's uh, now with the Los Angeles Rams. Oh wow. He went to Christian Brothers Academy down in Syracuse. Mm -hmm. Graduated from Syracuse University. 
and uh, he's played for a couple different teams and now with the Los Angeles Rams. He'll be at our game on Saturday, June 18th. So, awesome. Uh, that Ag Day program hey, is... Hey, you know what else goes on June 18th? Uh-oh. My anniversary. Really? I want to forget it. Well, Nan- <laughs> Nancy's going to be so happy when she hears this 45 podcast. years, too. Congratulations. Yeah. So, 45 uh, So we'll years. give that a plug today. There you go. You just got some brownie points. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you really want to score some extra brownie points, tell her you're taking her out to the ball game for There you go. <laughs> well, hey, we better get to our guest here. Uh, we've got a... Uh, Really great, distinguished person here with us today on the podcast, Dr. Larry Jones with the Farm Institute. Uh, Larry, how you doing, sir? Oh, we're doing great, and uh, the weather hasn't turned as wet on us as it has on you down here in Homer, New York. Well, we won't wish that on you, Larry, because, uh, it, boy, it is wet here today, really wet. And uh, what do you think about Ron bringing Nancy to a baseball game for their 45th anniversary? Well, I think he's going to show me up because I'm going to have to do something like that for mine, but I'm not quite at 45 yet, but we're pushing it hard. (laughs) Of course, I'm just sitting here thinking, Jay, you know, is it safe with Jay Madison announcing the baseball game for me to go there with my (laughs) wife for my anniversary? (laughs) Oh, well, you never know. You never know. I be nice to nancy yeah i know you would but (laughs) well larry if you want to come up to a watertown rapids game for your anniversary you know we'll be sure to treat you right well my anniversary is in december so we probably won't do that yeah Uh, no no i won't be there i can i can promise you that well larry thank you very much for uh joining us uh today on the podcast we really appreciate it would you tell us a little bit about your background and with the farm institute what is that all about and uh what is it that you do in agriculture well that's always a tough question but farm institute was started back in 1995 by my wife when she was the director of research at the agway research farm and decided to do a lot of what they were doing at the research farm and take it private. So it's, uh, it's been around a while. And at uh, this point, uh, that uh, in-situ digestibility is uh, slowly you know, kind of fading away, and we just do more general consulting, uh, combination of reports for herds and uh, con- kind of looking at new things on dairies and helping dairies become more profitable. Now, one of the things, uh, you know, we, you and I have crossed paths uh, quite a few times over the last uh, three or four decades, however long it's been. Uh, but Ron in particular tells me about uh, what you do, and he subscribes to your podcast. What's, what's the podcast, Ron? So Larry does a uh, podcast uh, every Sunday night, and uh, go. it's uh, milk pricing, basically weekly update of uh of what's going on in milk markets and Larry does a super job of uh, summarizing the week's activities and really brings it down to a level where you can kind of understand what's uh, what's going on in the milk market and uh, how it's impacting dairy farmers and it really helps us make some decisions going forward. Hmm. What What's the name of the uh, podcast? So I do it uh, through a website uh, which is uh, called the CWT group and that's a play on words uh cwt stands for consultants working together (laughs) uh so the registration to the uh website is free but there is a subscription fee for the podcast that just allows me to know who's getting it not not getting it and uh 
Yeah, Jay, I don't work for extension anymore, so I, I do charge for it, but it's a very nominal fee. Nothing wrong with making a little money, my friend. You got to pay the bills. So, uh, Larry, one of the things that Ron was telling me is that you're very good at explaining how dairy pricing works. And, and you know, I'm frequently asked about dairy prices, milk prices, and, and how how the pricing system works. And, you know, I do my best, but even after so many years, I still don't feel that I adequately explain dairy pricing. Um, so the first question I'd like to start out with is, what are the basics of how milk is priced uh, to our dairy farmers? How, how does that system work? What are the basics of pricing milk uh, for our dairy farmers. Of course, you know, I'll yep, just yep, jump yep. in ahead, here, Jay. Ahead. You know, a lot of people have said, you know, there's only four people that understand how milk is priced and three of them have died. <laughs> and uh, Well, Larry. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if Larry's the one left or not, but he does a pretty good job at it. So, uh, <laughs> Well, uh, he may not want to touch this question yeah. now, Rod. <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to scare our guests away. <laughs> Larry, uh, do you want to take a crack at that question yeah. now? Yeah, yeah. so, okay. Uh, so the other thing that's good said in the industry is if somebody tells you they understand how milk is priced, uh, they're lying. So uh, I'll <laughs> we'll probably start with that. But okay. I'm going to actually start uh, maybe a little bit back about my background. Um, sure. I did a PhD at the University of Illinois, and that was in computerized management. And I was on, you know, faculty at Cornell uh, for five or six years, and that was also dealing with computers and technology. So I've got kind of a background in computer science, statistics, mathematics. Uh, then after leaving Cornell, I left that all behind and, you know, did a little bit of international consulting and built a thousand caldera and ran that for a little while. But kind of when the pandemic hit, I decided that if I'm going to be spending my time at home, I might as well start reprogramming. And so I, I picked up a, a programming language and started uh, reprogramming. And I said, well, one of the things I could do is reinstitute all of the USDA formulas and see if I can actually, you know, estimate milk prices. And that slowly became uh, an understanding of what actually impacts our milk price and then trying to predict it forward. And then uh, from there, I've actually uh, kind of began actively trading uh, milk futures because if you're going to, if you're going to teach it, you might as well do it. But if we start back, uh, Jay, it's, it's actually not as complicated as everybody uh, makes it out. Once a month, we get uh, prices for our four commodities, which is, you know, whey, butter, non-fat milk, non-fat dry milk, and cheese. And then there's a, a formula which comes in to calculate your different classes, uh, class one being fluid. You know, the biggest one is class three, which is cheese. You know, class four is kind of like butter. And all of those are, are just mathematical formulas, which are not overly complicated. But if you don't uh, study it every day, they're not always easy to understand. So then uh, that kind of goes into a pool and uh, I can estimate your, uh, you know, class and component numbers probably a month ahead pretty easily on farm now within a penny or two. Wow. But but then that slowly gets uh, churned around into what we call a PPD and then your final milk check. And uh, PPD well, what is, is something. Yeah. Go what, ahead. What, what is PPD? 
Yeah, so that's something that uh, people don't understand, and I've actually argued we should get rid of it. Um, basically, uh, my simple explanation is, a long time ago, somebody anointed uh, Class 3 to be God. Okay. And then what we do is we sell all our milk. We know how much we got for all of the milk. Then we look at the difference of that versus class three, and that is that differential. So, for example, if you sell all your milk for $20 and class three happened to be $19, then you get a positive $1 PPD. And it's just a bookkeeping uh, number, which actually doesn't mean anything, but the entire industry gets uh, you know, all wrapped up in it. So we should be talking about total milk price and not class three and PPD. Okay, so uh, for the listeners that aren't involved in the dairy industry, I, I, I want to back up, Larry, and ask you a few questions. So, sure. Okay, and we're talking with Dr. Larry Jones. He is a, an expert in the milk pricing and how it works and a consultant to a lot of agricultural organizations, businesses, and so on. You indicated that there's four different components of milk. What were they again? Again, what is sold on the uh, commodity exchange and what the USDA looks at is whey, okay. butter, cheese, and non-fat dry milk. Okay, so Don't. whey is a byproduct of the dairy, the cheese making process. Correct. Correct. You, you said butter. We all understand what butter is. Uh, uh, cheese itself, and then non-fat dry milk. What is that? Uh, that is a milk where the fat is taken away and then dried down, and it's uh, largely exported. But there's some used in the U.S. But it's uh, just kind of like what it says. It's uh, it's non-fat, so there's no fat in it, and then they just uh, dry it down to a powder. So every time Ron sells 100 pounds of milk, what we call a hundredweight, that, that 100 pounds of milk potentially goes into one or more of those four components or, or four products. In addition to that, it's also going to go into fluid milk, okay. but the price of fluid milk is going to be driven off of those four other components. Okay, okay. So, so then with those four components, you said that there's different classes of, and forgive me if I'm getting this confused, but I want to I make sure it's very clear to our listeners. There's four different classes of pricing, correct? Correct. And, and what we have, and this is where it always gets all confusing. So there's four commodities, the whey, the butter, the nonfat, dry milk, and cheese. And for example, only... Cheese, butter, and whey go into class three. Butter and nonfat dry milk go into class four. Okay. And then class two, which is like the soft uh, yogurts and things, those right. are calculated off of class four. So I don't even consider that a separate uh, pricing structure because it's, you know, it's, it's one plus the other gets you that. And then fluid milk is more of an average of three and four. Okay, I didn't. Right. I didn't know right. that. Yeah, even after all these years, I didn't know that it's yeah. more of an average. Huh, interesting. And class one is your fluid milk. That's, That's the what milk you that buy goes. in the grocery store right. in a jug. And uh, and of course, it's been interesting, Jay, because you know we have milk leaving dairy farms going to some milk is going to a plant that's bottling it. Okay. Uh, they may be skimming some of the. You know, they're probably Cream. skimming 
cream off and making 2% or 1% or skim. Uh, and then, of course, we have milk leaving farms that goes to a yogurt plant like Chobani. We have milk leaving farms that goes to a cheese plant like Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have your manufacturing plants, which is your class four, which are kind of, they call them balancing plants, but that's where the milk goes when it doesn't have anywhere else to go for mainly for these other products. But you do have a manufacturing facility like Cayuga Marketing, uh, Cayuga Milk Ingredients in Auburn, that's pretty much, you know, there to make class four, to make powder and, and and participate in the export market. Yeah, and that's so, their specialty. They that's, make that's powdered yeah. milk yes. and export that all, yeah. you know, all over the world, yes. especially in the Canada. So, yeah. Okay, so uh, you know, we I wanted to reiterate those pieces. Now take us from there. We know that we have the four things, the four basic commodities of milk, and we have those four classes that are used for pricing how does it work from there take us to that next step larry so at the end of the the month uh what we're on was talking about milk goes multiple different ways there's what's called a federal milk marketing order so that's an area and we're in order one here in the northeast and so the federal order actually collects all the money and then looks at what percent of the milk went to class one, what percent went to class two, you know, on down the line. And then they kind of put together what the total uh, total price of milk was based on its utilization. They calculate the PPD, and then that ends up with your milk price. Now, what is the next step after that is the co-op is going to charge you things like uh, hauling, might be a market adjustment uh, there might be a, you know a cap and some of those sorts of things but that's more of a co-op issue as opposed to a uh, a federal uh, kind of mandated issue so the the co-op helps farms the farms basically are members of a cooperative the the cooperative helps collect that milk and then they'll they'll apply certain charges to a farm uh, for the work that the cooperative does uh, in collecting that milk and marketing that milk. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So where I want to take you next, Jay, is this whole issue of the uh, commodity exchange and prices on the commodity exchange, because this is where most dairymen get confused. Okay. Um, on, on the the CME, you know, you can trade class three, class four, you can trade butter, milk, you can trade anything. And that has essentially no impact on the final milk price. That is all speculative. The way that prices are set is every week the federal government surveys cheese plants, butter plants, these kind of things, finds out how much they sold of product and what prices they were, and then that's what drives the milk price. So a lot of times when uh, I've seen people say that, you know, the prices fell $3 on, on the futures market, well, that's just because somebody was speculating uh, too high or too low. It, it is a speculation issue. It is not what actually controls your milk price. Okay. So the, the CME will settle to the USDA price, not the other way around. So... Again, a lot of people think that if you watch the futures, that uh, that's going to drive your final milk price, and that's not not the case. 
And we've, Larry, we've actually seen uh, some increased volatility as of late uh, because of, you know, all these things going on around the world. Uh, we've had plant disruptions. We've had, you know, major weather events that closed down plants that have taken product off the market. And, and we've seen a lot of speculative money from the hedge funds and others coming into the dairy business. So it's, it's kind of kind of been an interesting time to to really watch this but at the same time it's been a little tumultuous in trying to figure out what's going to happen wouldn't you wouldn't you agree well yes and and again it all depends upon your view of the world because uh chaos you know seeds opportunity yeah uh if the milk price was flat every day then uh, there would be no opportunity to make money in it but uh you know having all this volatility is uh you know, it was good. And, and dairymen don't look at it that way. They just uh, would prefer to know their milk price and be done with it. Uh, but there is, you know, tremendous opportunity to lock in another dollar, a dollar and a half, a uh, hundred weight with, uh, you know, capturing some of that speculation. But you cannot just do that and walk away and go plant 2,000 acres of corn and come back and hope that everything is good. You've got you to pay attention to it, as Ron and I talk about all the time. Uh, you know, I'll be honest. Uh, to me, it sounds crazy. <laughs> 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 it just sounds crazy. There's all of these different moving pieces that are controlled by different parts of the economy, the, the dairy economy. That all get fact. How do you keep track of all of this, Larry? So there's a couple different things. Uh, a, I do it by programming. Uh, so I do send out an, an email that goes out any night, and that's free if anybody wants to subscribe to it. That actually summarizes the market from a perspective of of uh, red and green. I don't go into why things necessarily move, but here's what it was. And then it's a little bit of uh, you know. Thinking about, you know, is $2.40 cheese going to be sustainable in the grocery store, the retail stores? So, for an example, in November, you could have gone out and sold Class 3, you know, at $26. And right now, November is setting at $23 or something like that. So, that it, it, the opportunity for farms to do that and make money is, is real. But... It's, uh, it is also chaos and will keep you awake at night if you're not careful. How do you, how do you run a business when you don't know what the price of your product is? I mean, you're talking about you're making milk today, Ron, that you won't know the price of it until, what, a month from now? Yeah, actually, uh, you know, for most farms, um, that's one reason that you really need to pay attention and take advantage of some of the opportunities that the market will present you. Because, you know, we're coming up on the first of the month. The milk we produce on the first of June, we really, if you if you just wait for the milk check to come from the co-op, you won't know what you get paid for that until July 20th. So longer than a month. Yeah. But but I want to interject there and sure. say that I could probably estimate Ron's milk check within 10 cents tomorrow. Yes, and, and Larry's very good at doing that. And so that helps us then. And I think that's the point here for the average farmer out there just milking his cows, sending the milk down the driveway, letting the co-op market it, and then waiting to see what he gets for it versus really paying attention, having Larry estimate what that milk price 
is going to be and being pretty darn accurate within within a few pennies. Um, now, yes, there's the other noise that gets into your milk price, what the co-op does, but that's that's outside what you know your actual what they call the blend price is going to be for your milk. So there is a way to estimate it and uh, and not be surprised. So what what are some because you we've talked about the co-ops tw- you know two or three times now and and the fact that there are charges they put on your your milk that you you're saying you're selling what are some of those things that they're doing well from you know they're they're of course the normal things like hauling and uh, and some of the other things like our checkoff monies they're going to come out no matter what. Uh, hauling, of course, lately has been going up. So with fuel prices and input costs for trucks going up, but then based on their ability to market milk within the cooperative and, uh, they're instituting other charges like market adjustments, uh, where that's a, that's a negative. Um, they're taking fuel surcharges, which is another negative, uh, and uh, they're putting caps on production, and then anything you produce over your cap, uh, you're getting penalized for that milk. So there's a deduction there. So those are all things that we as producers, even doing the best job we can to estimate our milk price, then we still have this little box of surprises coming from our co-op every month as to what they're going to take for their piece of the action here as of late. (laughs) And, uh, and of course, you know, Larry and I talk a lot about, uh, you know, why if Larry can estimate our milk price within a few pennies, why doesn't the co-op do that for its producers? Why, you know, why do they, um, you know, why do they, why are they not able to, uh, to give that information out there? And, and I guess, you know, that could be a topic for another day. But. but that's that's a very strong, valid question is if you are a co-op that you are representing X number of member dairy farms, it would seem that you would want to provide as much transparency to your member farms as possible so they can understand okay here's what this price is probably going to be that way those farms can make informed intelligent decisions i mean i I, that's that's right on target from my perspective and that's a you know there is agrimark is one cooperative in the region i think they do a, a pretty they do a better job than than others in sending out that kind of information uh may not be perfect but it's better than then I'm a DFA member. Um, you know, DFA does very little in that regard. I'll be honest. Um, it just and it's something we've talked to, to management a lot about to say, you know, it's important in these kind of turbulent times. It's important, period. But it's even more magnified importance now that we are able to make informed decisions. And if there's too much milk out there it's good to know that and maybe that's an opportunity for us to to cut back a little bit call cows do whatever if milk is short you know we can maybe hit the gas a little bit now what do you mean when you say milk is short uh basically there's not enough to fill the plants okay okay and then when milk is long that means there's too much too much of it okay okay 
So uh, we're talking with Dr. Larry Jones. Uh, he is part of uh, his, one of his businesses is the Farm Institute, and he is an expert on milk pricing, uh, provides a lot of consulting services to farms here uh, in the region or across the United States, Larry? Uh, across the United States. Wow. And so, Larry, in, in our description of how milk pricing works, what have we missed so far? Well, the one thing that I always find interesting when I start uh, working with a new farm, so, well, we're not going to share our milk check with you. And I said, that's confidential. And then I, I go and I estimate their milk check. It's like, you were within three cents. How'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! <Yeah. laughs> it, is, it is not, it is not if I know the, the, the milk, the fat, and the protein, it's, a, it's pretty, and which co-op you go to, it's pretty easy to come up with the, uh, you know, with a final price. Hmm. Interesting. So uh, anything else we've missed on milk pricing? Uh, there's there's a lot of things to uh, to discuss, but I think we've uh, covered um, the majority of it. Uh, I guess I was going to just kind of summarize by saying, you know, first off, I'm not licensed in trading futures or options, so anything I say is not is not a recommendation. But you know, there are tremendous opportunities for dairies to take advantage of these, but it takes time, it takes dedication, and you can get on the wrong side of it uh, pretty quick if you just go away and and ignore it. Larry, we didn't we didn't talk about this particular question I'm about to ask. So, fair warning that I'm about to throw a zinger at you. What what are you seeing as far as an outlook for the rest of 2022? How are things looking for dairy farmers? Um I I, I was kind of assuming that question would come. Uh, yeah. if you look at the contracts they're they're pointed down so the the big money is going to tell you that prices are going to be coming down okay the biggest question i would ask uh, a producer that claims they're not making money today is what does the future look like for you because if a dairy is not making money today they've got to take a real serious hard look at uh at their cost structure because we've got 27 28 milk wow uh, feed costs have been going up, but I think that's overblown uh, in most popular press because dairies are so resilient with so much forage in the bunks already. Um, you know, so we see prices of feed going up maybe, you know, 50 cents a cow a day, but we've seen milk prices go up $2 a cow a day. So I'm not as concerned about those feed costs as a lot of other people are. Demand is is kind of stagnant, and I'm not a believer, that, um, as some of your other guests have been, that China's going to open up and just take a huge amount of uh, product because uh, the geopolitical scenario is such that I don't think they're going to be opening up very, very soon or very fast. Um, so I think it's more, uh, I think we've, probably peaked out on prices uh we're going to be coming down but we're not going to be 18 dollars either okay okay so you're you're expecting prices to come down but still stay uh at a reasonable level then right right yeah, I, I think we can safely say i mean looking at the last five year even 10 year average we're going to stay well above that wouldn't you say larry yes yes 
Now, on, on but I wanted oops, to sorry. I want to make ahead. one other comment. Sure. Is, uh, uh, I track uh, the cold storage report, and we cannot ignore there's 1.5 billion pounds of cheese in cold storage. Um, someday, those chickens have to come home to roost. That is true. That is true. That's 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 a lot of cheese in cold storage. Yeah, and the, to complicate that, you know, as we look at inflation here and rising gas prices and that consumer's dollar and the competition for that consumer's dollar, you know, are they going to walk away from that that block of cheddar cheese or those cheese slices or whatever it is in the grocery store? Um, you know, you also you know, you start to see demand for things like pizza and other things go down as those prices go up and you know, there's that competition from a consumer's dollar. So we got to be cognizant of what's going on out there in the economy and how that's impacted and where all that cheese is going to go. Right? Can it go for export to Mexico or other places? Um, you know, I think we're all, you know, you mentioned we had, we had Sean Hackett on last week, Jay, and he talked about China opening up. Larry just said, you know, he maybe takes a little bit of a counter position to that. Let's hope China does open up. Right. Um, you know, we need that to happen. And uh, so See, I, I, I will say, and I'm, I don't claim to be a foreign policy expert or an expert on China in any way, shape or matter, but I do watch a lot of the re- reports and I'm I'm more pessimistic on China uh, than maybe Sean was yeah um, you know it you know their 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 intentions seem to be uh, negative towards Taiwan negative towards the United States the only the only thing right now that I can see going on that is saving us from having more problems with China is the fact that Ukraine has done relatively well in the war against Russia, um, and China's got to be looking at that and and you know doing a uh, um, you know a double check on do we want to go down that road based yeah, on correct. what they're seeing. And of course, they've got this COVID lockdown that you know I think we're, you know Sean was pretty optimistic they would open up from that and you know you never know what china's gonna yeah it's it, you know we'll know when it happens yeah. that's that's the bottom line but i am a little bit more pessimistic on china um somewhat agreeing with larry on on uh you know what the outlook is with china ron what have we missed today we're we're running out of time here what have we missed no, I, I just, I, I'm glad we, you know, we stuck our toe in the water on this subject. I think it's something, you know, we could, uh, we could do periodically, Jay, is right. to talk a little bit more about milk pricing. And uh, it's so important to our farmers and to our local communities here across New York State and uh, across the Northeast. And, uh, you know, anything we can do to... Uh, uh, Help. <laughs> help ease some concerns, ease some anxiety. Uh, you know, I think would be a real service to our to our community. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, Larry, any anything we've missed on your end, my friend? No, I think uh, we've covered as much as we can do in this, and I really uh, appreciate the opportunity to join you. Well, we really appreciate you joining us today uh, here on the podcast, uh, folks. 
We've been talking with Dr. Larry Jones from the Farm Institute. Uh, Dr. Jones, an expert in milk pricing, provides, as we said many times, a, a lot of consulting services to dairy farms across the nation. And uh, so, Larry, thank you very much, sir, for joining us today. You're welcome. All right, folks, don't forget, we've got the Jefferson County Dairy Parade coming up on Friday, June 3rd, starting at 7 p.m. And also, don't forget, become a member of New York Farm Bureau. Just go to www.nyfb.org, and uh, you can see all the services that they provide and the fact that they are a grassroots voice for agriculture in Albany and beyond. Ron, thank you very much, my You're friend. You're welcome, Jay. All right, folks, we'll talk to you next week right here on Jay Madison's Rural America. Thank you for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America. Make sure to join us weekly. If you have any questions about the show, call Jay at 315-782-5865. For more information, visit www.agricultureevents.com or jcida.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America.